Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. We are so glad you are here for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We actually have two good martinis for you today. Two goods and a really crazy one, which certainly has a bad aftertaste to it. But uh, Jim, we're also sponsored today by Acre Gold. We'll be talking about them more in just a moment, but the website folks need to know is getacregold.com slash martini, and uh, you have a chance to win some free gold there. So we'll tell you all about that in just a moment, but uh, let's start with the good news of the day. There's, as we said, two good martinis, but here's the best news of the day, and that's that we not only have potential progress towards a vaccine for coronavirus, but also now treatments. Two different angles here. First of all, this is from the UK Guardian. Medical authorities in China have said a drug used in Japan to treat new strains of influenza appeared to be effective in coronavirus patients. So this is according to Japanese media. Now, Zhang Jinmin, that's not the former president, but an official in China's science and technology ministry, said the drug favipiravir, hope I said that right, uh, developed by a subsidiary of Fujifilm, had produced encouraging outcomes in clinical trials in Wuhan and Shenzhen involving 340 patients. Zhang told reporters, quote, it has a high degree of safety and is clearly effective in treatment. Another one, which is surprising folks, is chloroquine, which has been used to treat malaria since the 1940s. Studies show that chloroquine is effective at preventing as well as treating SARS, which is a close cousin of COVID-19. That from ABC News. And Jim, just today at the coronavirus briefing, President Trump says he is instructing the FDA to investigate the uh, chloroquine possibility uh, much more intensely here and hoping to get that treatment out as soon as possible. Now, these tests take time, but uh, once again, hope on the horizon, hopefully. I was thinking the other day, look, you know, next to a vaccine, uh, an effective treatment would be the uh, next best bit of news we could get in this sort of circumstance. We're all afraid of catching it. We're all hoping that if we get it, it's a very mild case. We're all afraid of dying. We're all afraid of our loved ones dying. If, if they could get something where, you know, okay, this is going to be bad. You're going to be in the hospital. You know, maybe, you keep, maybe, first of all, maybe a drug can keep you out of the ICU, or even if you do get in the ICU, if people know you're going to pull through, all of a sudden, I think that takes a great deal of the, the fear and anxiety out of this. Now, this is still, obviously, nobody wants to be in the ICU and nobody wants to have, you know, problems with their lungs, but that would make all of that much more manageable. I think it was Allah Pundit, that hot air, who'd said the other day that, by the way, Allah Pundit is a, a congenitally, you know, pessimistic guy. I don't think it's directly related to him being a New York Jets fan, um, but he found himself being uncharacteristically optimistic about this. And he said that if you think about it, there are now more doctors, more medical researchers, more uh, pharmaceutical experiments, more great medical minds all around the world being applied to this problem right now than any other problem in the history of humanity. It's being you know, done in every country. And obviously with all these drug experiments, one of them sooner or later is going to prove so, have some level of effectiveness. So obviously our highest hopes are for chloroquine, as you said. Um, and if it's not this one, my, chances are at some point we will find another one. You know, each day gets us a little bit closer. As I said, these are research that's going around 24-7 all around the world. Now, that having been said, you know, the president said this would be available almost immediately. And it's worth noting the FDA commissioner then said, well, actually, we're beginning trials with this. So let's, let's not overstate this. Let's not get excessively optimistic. I think cautiously optimistic is kind of the right tone to take with this. As, as you know, frightening as this can be, it's downright inspiring to see how quickly people can mobilize 
and how quickly brilliant minds can find potential solutions to this. Hopefully, progress is made quickly and as many lives can be saved as possible. Uh, let's uh, tell you about our sponsor once again. We introduced them yesterday. They're back again today, and that's Acre Gold. Grateful for them sponsoring this episode. And as we talked about yesterday also, a lot of uncertainty in the markets lately. So this is a very timely offer from Acre Gold, which is the new subscription platform for gold. Acre lets you make small monthly payments and then sends gold straight to your doorstep every few months. Don't break the bank. Start buying gold for just $50 a month and watch your gold grow. Acre will keep you updated on your gold stash as you make progress. Once your gold stash reaches the price of a 2.5 gram Acre Gold bar, they will discreetly ship you your gold. Easy, safe, and secure. For more information, go to getacregold.com slash martini or by clicking the link in our show notes and start your Acre Gold subscription today. Make sure you go to our URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar for the month of March to win. Listeners can tweet why they should win and mention at get underscore Acre Gold for a chance to win the free gold. For details, go to getacregold.com slash martini and look for the link in our listener notes. All right, Jim, we promised a second good martini and here it is. Yesterday, we talked about how Bernie Sanders needs to get out. The, the math on the delegate side is pretty much impossible for him at this point. But there were also some also-rans in the race, and now they're out. First of all, William Weld, former governor of Massachusetts, who's actually older than Trump, uh, thanked his thousands of supporters, which is not bad, but you need a whole lot more than that to become the next president of the United States. Uh, he ended up with one delegate for all of his efforts. And then also Tulsi Gabbard, who I believe won two delegates out of American Samoa. Uh, she is getting out as well, uh, and she is once again proving Hillary Clinton to be a very terrible prognosticator. She's not going third party. She's actually endorsing Joe Biden. Uh, had some nice things to say about Bernie, but she recognizes that this race is over, and she says it's time for all of us to pull together, especially in the face of the coronavirus challenge. So Jim Sanders is still technically in, but uh, he's definitely pulling back with online ads and fundraising and so forth. So uh, what do you make of this uh, getting closer and closer to a Trump versus Biden race? Yeah, let's take them one at a time. I guess the first with William Weld, this was pretty much always a vanity presidential campaign. It was always going to be tough for an anti-Trump candidate to, to beat Trump in a Republican primary. Um, William Weld is not the ideal candidate for that, uh, nor was Mark Stanford, nor was uh, Joe Walsh. Weld was a libertarian running mate four years ago. I suppose you could say, okay, the, the type of Republicans who'd be least enamored with President Trump would be the more libertarian-leaning ones, folks who wouldn't be enamored with uh, Trump's nationalist and populist and uh, protectionist instincts. But my sense is that most people who are most inclined to that philosophy have left the Republican Party during the Trump era. And you're always, it was always going to be a heavy lift to get these folks to re-register as Republicans in states with closed primaries or to participate in a Republican primary in open states where you have your choice of which uh, primary you want to vote in. And William Weld, not exactly a whirling dervish of raw political charisma, was never the, the natural guy for that. And uh, I think, you know, that even if you want to say, okay, nobody was ever going to beat Trump for the Republican nomination, if you wanted to do this, the question was, okay, what did you want to do with it? What did you, you know, what was your threshold of success? Was it getting 10%, 20%, 30%? I think when you come out of this with, you know, a delegate here and a delegate there, you have not succeeded. Uh, and it kind of raises the question of what the whole point of all of that is. I don't think it's very clear what the point of the William Weld campaign was. Not only did it not ever put a scare into the Trump campaign, I don't know if the Trump campaign ever really spent any time or energy thinking about that. As for Tulsi Gabbard, 
boy, you want to talk about somebody whose whose journey has taken her in some unusual places. And you know, during the Obama years, she was probably one of our favorite House Democrats. Took a very distinct approach compared to her fellow Democrats over a whole bunch of issues, particularly on national security and foreign policy. Hillary Clinton famously believed that she was a Russian plant. I think we all remember how she, you know, did a fantastic performance up against uh, Kamala Harris. In the end, what Tulsi Gabbard was selling was not something that the Democratic Party as a whole was interested in buying, or even, you know, a, a, you know, a fraction of it. She was getting 1% here, 1% there. Um, last couple of weeks, she's been in Congress, and people might say, well, okay, I mean, that's fine. You know, it's many members of Congress run for president. But when you hit 1% in state after state, people might say, what, what are you doing? Uh, you're not even out there campaigning anymore. Is your campaign, you know, is it Schrodinger's campaign? It's both dead and alive at the same time. <laughs> um, her statement today was was perfectly appropriate. It was a concession to reality, um, and I think her endorsement to Biden is is significant. Not just because it you know one acknowledges reality that yes, Joe Biden will be the Democratic nominee. Uh, it points out that there's not going to be a, a contested convention or any any of those wild scenarios that looked pretty plausible at the beginning of uh, you know a month or two ago. I think also it's kind of a rec- you know she endorsed Bernie Sanders four years ago. I think that's kind of a symbolic rebuke of him. And look, you know, with all we're, we're facing an unprecedented crisis, we're dealing with the economy in free fall. We got really big problems on our plate. The Democratic presidential primary is, is not one of them. We, we have all kind of moved past that psychologically. We got bigger things we got to deal with. Bernie Sanders, at least as of this recording, is not dropping out. And yesterday he kind of snapped at a reporter and said, you know, I'm trying to deal with this problem here. Why are you asking about your, my presidential campaign? Well, because you're still in it. <laughs> That's why people are still asking you about it. If you don't want people to ask about your presidential campaign, you really should give it up. And the other thing that I think is this, this fascinating contrast here, Greg, and I, I wrote a corner post about this earlier today. Bernie Sanders' whole message is we've all got to give up stuff. We've all got to sacrifice, right? Whether it's climate change or economic inequality or social justice, whatever the cause is, you got to pay more in taxes. You have to give up more. You know, Bernie Sanders, you're not exactly leading by example at this moment. And if you do want a culture and if you do want a country in which people are more inclined to sacrifice their own happiness and what they have in order to help others, which, oh, by the way, the coronavirus is demonstrating the United States of America is full of people who have that mentality. Um, maybe he should go ahead and lead by example and end that campaign now that it's extremely clear that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee and that there's not really much more that Bernie Sanders can do to affect the outcome, even by the standards of, oh, we're going to stay in this campaign to promote our message or something. Look, everyone in America is thinking about coronavirus right now. They are not thinking about uh, long-term conversions of the country to socialism or something like that. So Bernie, if you, you know, I doubt you're listening, but if you are, maybe it's time to call it quits and think about the next chapter of your life. All right, Jim, let's move on to our crazy martini now. And we promised that it would be crazy and definitely frustrating. So for days, even weeks now, we've heard from the likes of Anthony Fauci and uh, Dr. Burks at the White House and other folks who've been part of these coronavirus uh, presentations to the media that young people, you've got to do your part. You might not be the ones hardest hit by this, but you could definitely give it to an older person and they could have serious, potentially fatal problems with this. And therefore, you guys have got to keep your distance as well. We got to hunker down here for at least a couple of weeks, possibly longer, uh, in order to save our more vulnerable population. And while a lot of folks certainly got that message, a lot of folks obviously didn't. Uh, many people saw the, the video from the helicopter of Clearwater, Florida, earlier this week where the beaches were teeming. Then in Florida, they decided to cut down on the bars and the beaches. 
But uh, not every spring breaker is still getting the message. Listen to this compiled by CBS News. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. You know, I've been waiting. We've been waiting for Miami spring break for a while. About two months we've had this trip planned. Two, three months. So we're just out here having a good time. Whatever happens, happens. Like, it's really messing up with my spring break. What is there to do here other than go to the bars or the beach and they're closing all of it? It's really messing up. I think they're blowing it way out of proportion. I think it's doing way too much. Doing us bad. We need a refund. This virus ain't that serious. It's serious. It's more serious things out there like hunger and poverty. We need to address that. Yeah, I mean, we planned this a long time ago, and it was kind of up in the air if we still go. But, like, we're here. I just turned 21 this year, so I'm here to party, so it's kind of disappointing. But we're just making the most of it. We met these other people in our little Airbnb spot, so we're just hanging out with them and trying to get drunk before everything closes. We're just trying to roll with the boy. We're just living for the moment. We're just going for, we're just going to do what happens, when it happens. When stuff closes, we're going to do it when it closes. But uh, uh, besides that, we're just trying to have the best chip we can. So, uh, Jim, in a country of 300 plus million people, you're always obviously going to have a lot of knuckleheads, but they all seem to be in one spot right now. You know, if you're on the beach with these people, get away from them. Uh, look, I don't care how healthy you are. You know, I don't care if you're in the demographic that is least likely to get the coronavirus. You're still in the demographic of people who need a functioning U.S. medical system sometime in the next couple of weeks. So you can be completely away from the coronavirus. If you get hit by a car, if you still need to go to an emergency room, you need functioning hospitals. Get off the beach. Please don't live down to the, your, your, these stereotypes of, these aren't even millennials, Greg. Millennials have aged out of this group. This is Generation Z. In Generation Z, we expect better of you. Those of us in generations named after letters of the alphabet. <laughs> we have a high standard to uphold. You know, that way we can all get together later and make fun of the millennials and boomers. So stay off the beaches, people. Stay, stop. You know, the social distancing is there for a reason. It applies to the beach too. Don't make Jim come down there is the uh, <laughs> subtle subtext of this message. So uh, get your head straight and uh, keep yourself safe and keep others safe at the same time. So Jim, uh, the home game, a little bit more challenging today. Some folks might've heard a couple audio disruptions, but we're, we're soldiering on and we'll talk to you tomorrow. See you Friday. See you Friday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do not forget our friends over at Acre Gold to learn more information and, and also how you might be able to win some free gold. It's getacregold.com slash martini. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a kind review. And don't forget, you can play us on those home devices. All you have to say is play three martini lunch podcast.